welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs won another series and finally beat Baltimore home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating and review so that other people can find the show. My name is Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs and celebrate Wilson Contreras' home runs. Let's be clear, those were bombs on Bleed Cubby Blue. And I am joined, as always, by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? You mean champion of the bet, Danny Rocket. I, I uh, was thinking about you. Yes, congrats. I am the champion, my friend. And Johnny has to do a Craigslist job in the end. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, although I could use the money. I really could. So uh, everybody, please tell your friends about our show so more people download <laughs> it and we can get an extra penny. Oh, uh, that'd be great. But uh, no, I was, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Cubs are playing well. Hey, if they had played like this all year, we might be going to the playoffs. <laughs> so. they're, they're playing well in spurts and poorly in other spurts. It's kind of strange. Like, I don't know, as I was looking at some of the lines from these Washington games and, and going back and remembering things that I've clearly decided to black out on. Like Marcus Stroman giving up four runs, but none of them are earned because the defense can't play baseball. That's fun. Or like weird Raphael Ortega pinch hitting for Christopher Morrell for hashtag reasons. And I understand that it worked out one time and dudes on Twitter who were explain, look, it worked. I'm like, no, that's not how baseball works. Like there's a series of decisions, some of which are good, some of which are bad. When a bad decision works, that doesn't make it a good decision. <laughs> it just means yeah. you got really lucky. But anyway, let's start at the beginning uh, and jump right in. The Cubs lost the opener of this series 5-4. to four. This was the Stroman four and two-thirds innings, four runs, none of them earned game. I mean, Fran Mill's still a beast hitting bombs. Danny, what did you see in this one? Yeah, it was just the same old, same old with the Cubs defense yet once again, kind of giving up this game. Um, yeah, I Strowman's been a little bit of a tough luck. I saw that that story about how David Ross went up to him and told him that he had took him out and out, and out too early in this one. And I, I suppose that would be true. But, it, you know, with these runs being unearned, that doesn't mean that they were totally unearned. <laughs> you know, it just happened that a an error kind of unleashed the inning for the Nationals. So, and wow, Fran Mill hitting a triple. Oh my God. Triple and a home run. Oh yeah. I mean, I thought he was gonna hit for the cycle. I mean, triple's he, the hardest one to get. It is. It, I, I was a little surprised by the triple because frankly that is a big man running around the bases and you just don't assume he's going to be that fast like clearly he's got long legs and can like cover lots of ground but triples require a little bit of speed no matter what but but he did it he, he definitely did it Brad Mill has been absolutely crushing the ball but I was stunned to see has he still not walked yet like he has not taken a walk with the Chicago Cubs all he does is strike out and hit missiles that's <laughs> That's the animal. I mean, that's fine. I, I, I mean, if I have no idea what Cleveland was doing, I mean, they're in first place right now. And you're like, nah, we don't need this guy. It's going to be like banging doubles off the wall. Don't worry about that. We're fine without him. I do not understand. I would love to talk to a Cleveland fan to hear why they did it because I, we're going to talk about the Brewers in a second, who we face today. But I, I talked. I have a, a great friend who comes on the Sun Ranto show. My friend Eric, who's a big Brewers fan, he has no idea why they traded closers 
with the Padres, none. Like he doesn't understand. Um, and this, I think, is a thing that Cleveland might be doing too. Maybe there's something about it that we don't understand about why they got rid of him. I know he was caught doing like some issues with COVID protocols or is it personal? Like, I don't know. Um, but I have one more thought about this game though. Why, why Zach McKinstry at all? Like, why is he out there? Like, he's not good. He can't hit, he can't field. Like, why do we trade for him? Like, I know this is his little like tryout for the team, but guess what? Like you're cut, like you're done. Like nobody wants to see this. Like things were kind of going fine over there. And then you're like, I'd rather, I'd rather Schwindel come back and play first and have Patrick wisdom over there. I mean, so let's talk about Zach McKinstry for a second. Cause this is absolutely driving me mad. Look, I get it. And Chris Martin, like, was, you know, one year deal, not going to be a cub next year, turn him into something, see what you get. McKinstry is a better return for Zach Martin or wait. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Martin. Chris. I, I'm mixing up my Martins and my yeah. McKinstries. Uh, yeah. McKinstry is a better return for Martin than I thought the Cubs would get, than I thought the Cubs had any right to get. And also the dude's OPS is like 500 or lower. I, I, I'm like, it's, it's out of control. His OPS for the season. This is his slash line. 164, 224, 259. That is an OPS that is barely over 500 for the season. Jeff Zimmerman, uh, who does a lot of fantasy baseball work and is like a super smart guy, likes to say that the cut line for a major league baseball player is an OPS of 650 or higher. (laughs) Like if you can't get your on base plus slugging above that 650 benchmark, that's, that's the danger zone where you have to worry about the guy who might be on your fantasy team losing playing time completely. Zach McKinstry is well below the danger zone. <laughs> well, and here's the frustrating thing about Zach McKinstry and why everybody keeps giving, giving him a chance. He was in AAA Oklahoma city. Most of this year, he had a nine Oh four OPS nine Oh four. Like what happened? Why can't he come? And I know that whole thing, of oh it's such a a jump up with the pitching and you just never see a breaking ball like that in the minors but you know but to drop 500 points is a little uh, i mean in his in august zach mckinstry has an on-base percentage of 209 and is slugging 238 his OPS is under 500 for the month of August, which is basically his time with the Cubs. Would you like to guess? You know how we do like the WRC plus who's hot, like who are hot hitters things? Yeah. Would you like to guess Zach McKinstry's WRC plus for the month of August? I mean, does it even go negative? It does not go negative. Well, <laughs> okay. it can go negative. I've seen it negative before, but it's pretty rare. Right. Uh, 40, it's not negative in this instance. 46. 21. What? Come on. He is 79% worse than the league average hitter at creating run situation. Like, I'm over it. Why? Why? What am I watching? And he's not a very good third baseman. I'm sorry. Like, he's... He bobbled it. He screwed up that double play. I mean, he's one. He's the reason we lost this game. He's the reason the Cubs did not sweep, and I didn't just, like, march into victory with my bet with Johnny. Well, had- part, of, part of the problem here is that he's playing every day. It, why is he playing every day and Christopher Morell is playing every, like, two out of three days? <sighs> Nelson Velasquez is, like, every 
two th- is like a two thirds of the time player, but we gotta get McKinstry and Nick Madrigal in every day. Yeah, I just it, I don't know. David Ross's lineup decisions are mind boggling to me, and I know we're a little bit off track on our game one recap, but it's pretty key to why the Cubs lost the game, like you just said. So I feel like it's on it's on point. It's it's mind boggling. Like I I have been a big David Ross defender that you shouldn't like judge him based on the bad players that he has been given to like run out there for the last couple of seasons. And like, really there's no bullpen. So like, what are you supposed to do? Like (laughs) mad when somebody blows a lead in the seventh inning, like, I mean, what are you going to do? But there's no reason Zach McKinstry and Nick Madrigal need to be in the lineup every single day. (laughs) I don't, I, I don't get it, but I know a lot of the knock on David Ross or what we think is that he's kind of a puppet for the front office and things are being run differently with kind of like the smartest guys in the room, you know, sending down data by which you're supposed to set things by. I don't know how much autonomy David Ross has. I think also the knock on it too was that you used to have to go ride the bus in the minors and learn how to manage a team. And everybody knew David Ross would be a manager when he was a player because he was that kind of leader on the team. So they just gave him the job without ever letting him manage before. And I think it's cool that he's one of those managers that will go up to Marcus Stroman and and say, hey, listen, I took you out and out too early. Should have left you in there. I, I thought one thing and then I was like, ah, that probably wasn't right. I think that shows a lot of guts and leadership to admit when you think you made a mistake, but the jury's out whether David Ross is actually a good manager or somebody that can lead you to another championship, which is what we're looking for. I guess it seems pretty far down the road at this point. I can't even like, (laughs) I mean, there were times where I could imagine it at the very least right now. I'm just looking around being like, Oh, well, I guess a peak, Crow Armstrong ends up being Barry Bonds without the steroids. We might be okay, but like, I don't know. It's the existential dilemma of Cubs fans. I think what we're trying to do is win another championship someday, I guess. I guess. (laughs) In the future. Maybe we'll get excited at like year 48 and then people start like, I don't know. It's not even half of the last drought yet. (laughs) Yeah, we're good. I'll be 90. Come on. So, Danny, if this team doesn't win another World Series before you and I are in our 90s, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation was giving me some garbage because I was freaking out about something or other. Oh, yeah. It was the Drew Smiley thing where that that DFA idea. What that is that? Was, I, I mean, I, I, don't get it. I guess I sort of get But why? Like, I, I yeah. don't really get it. So you would be just turning Drew Smiley into cash at that point and so a player to be named later? Like, I don't understand. Right. Everybody's always telling me to relax. And I'm like, uh, you guys, like, I know that maybe like the pedal's not on your metal, but like, I'm getting older here. You know, I don't really want to wait another decade or even five years uh, to for the Cubs to be a relevant baseball team at the top of the majors. I'm not talking about winning the central. Like, honestly, the fact that we're not winning the central and that the Cardinals get to just run away with it. The Brewers are a mediocre team. It's frustrating as hell to me. And it's just like, I know Tom Ricketts out there giving lip service. Oh, the Cubs fans deserve better than this. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, that's what you said last year. I yelled at you. I said, we want a better team, Tom from the, remember that? Like I made a video. 
I me do yelling remember. at Tom. Yeah. And, and, and this is this is a this is an audio only show, so the the viewers cannot see me doing the Javi Baez talk talk nothing nothing like that's yeah. my favorite Javi gif of all time, and that's how I feel about the front office right now and the Ricketts for that matter. Yeah, and if they can string us along with your Seiya Suzuki's and shiny new toys and your Marcus Stroman's, even though Seiya Suzuki's not that good right now, I mean he's frig- figuring out the league. I think we all give him a little bit of a shot uh, or a chance to 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 make his mark and to prove himself with such a huge transition. But like, come on, uh, you're, it seems like the most cynical version of me is just like, you're just going to give us just enough, just like the tribune did to get you a little bit excited so that you will renew your season tickets so that you will keep coming down to the ballpark and, and you, there'll be enough to watch, but it won't be enough enough because they don't want to do the things that the Padres are doing or the, or the Dodgers are. I mean, the Padres are gunning hard for that third wild card spot right now. I'm like, Oh my God. Like they're not even going to win the division and they're stacked. I feel so bad for the Padres about this hater trade thing. Like one hater just blew a terrible game last night. Absolute gem by you Darvish hater shiny new toy acquisition. Can't, close the door on this thing i i hate to see it because i like the padres like i i am glad haters out of the nl central and i'm glad that he's no longer on the brewers and also i of all the teams that could win this year and i know padres 1984 stuff like i was i was very very small when that happened that's the first cognizant baseball season i remember so i'm not quite as scarred by it as i was by like 1989 1990 which one was it 98 97 i can't remember it, 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 you know you know what i'm talking about like that little window in the 90s where like yeah, yeah nine, 98 that was the sosa year right like and, and you know anyway uh i'm not quite as scarred by the padres i like that the padres have paid players and like gotten big signings and done big deals and they went out and got Juan soto and they did all the things that i want a baseball team to do And I would kind of like them to be rewarded for that. Like, I'd rather they get rewarded for that than we get to watch a Yankees-Dodgers series, right? Like, who wants to watch a Yankees-Dodgers series outside of L.A. and New York? No one. Like, I know that the ratings will be great. Most (laughs) of us are like... That is like half the country. (laughs) I get it. It's it's a very critical mass. It's also like, also my nightmare. Although I will say, God, we're so like, we're just, we might just throw away the notes for this one. Danny and I are just going to riff for the rest of this episode. Um, (laughs) Not quite, but (laughs) that's about where the show is headed right now. Uh, The, if the Yankees Dodgers thing happens, I need Joey Gallo to go off and be the MVP of the world series. It would troll Yankees fans so hard. It would be amazing. He's kind of gone off since he's been with the Dodgers. Like Joey Gallo just needed a change of scenery. It turns out New York sucks. Yeah, it's a tough place to play. And, you know, that goes to show you that not everybody can succeed anywhere, everywhere. Like getting back to even like Zach McKinstry right now, like the fact that he can succeed so well in AAA and then not in the major leagues is uh, kind of a telling thing. I don't want to read too much into a guy's makeup, but for it to fall off a cliff so bad means that you're getting tight or something's going on. Because usually, I was talking to my friend Tim about this the other day. It's like, you know, the change of scenery thing in that way. In in many in many sports, it's an automatic, like, you're, you're the best player in college basketball and then you're on the pros next year and it takes a second to learn things, but like really you can make an impact on your team that year. 
uh, for a, a, a baseball player. I mean, the I don't know what that jump is or like when or even when a guy comes to the Cubs. We've seen this so many times that their first year on the Cubs is just like they're terrible, you know, and they can't play well. Even like John Lester kind of had a moment to like get into, you know, uh, his groove in Chicago and then he got it. And, you know, it's just weird. I mean, I don't know what that how much of that is psychological and how much has to do with just learning the new ballpark. And that's just the learning curve of it or I don't know. Well, and I also think just different people react to these things differently. I mean, like I'm not, well, I am going to bang the Christopher Morel drum more because I think he should be playing and it's annoying to watch the 22 year old who phenom like not get reps because Zach McKinstry has to play like the conspiracy theorist in, in me thought maybe what's going on with Morel is they don't want him to accumulate enough, uh, you know, stats and whatnot to, get rookie of the year votes because that impacts his service time later oh and so God. if they sit him for like a third of the games down the stretch because of some nebulous hamstring issue that's not how you heal a hamstring like if the kid has a hurt hamstring then you don't play him <laughs> you you let the hamstring heal because hamstring injuries are really bad and you don't want to aggravate them and cause them to get worse right so you, you definitely don't play somebody every two games if they have a hamstring injury like it's just not how you rehab that but um Anyway, that's me being a conspiracy theorist, and it's it's definitely one of my half-baked well, thoughts. I mean, it's not unfounded that you would have that thought process because we saw the what Chris Bryant went through. We saw the kind of BS that they that they've been pulling, and it was one of the main uh, points of contention between the owners and the players during the uh, the, the negotiations of the CBA. So it's like it's not like these evil dudes aren't doing everything possible to just like get one extra dollar out of these guys or one extra year, just like to compete at this highest level. They're trying to exploit every single loophole. Like, for example, did you know, like somebody pointed this out to me, I went down and I took a picture of the monstrosity that is the uh, soon to be DraftKings sports book out in front of Wrigley Field that is attached now to a federal landmark, which people wondered, rightfully so on Twitter, how did they get away with this? How did they get away with it? Yeah, they shouldn't have been able to do it. Right. They shouldn't have been able to do it. Like that was the point of landmark. It's like, Hey, let's like chisel Mickey mouse up on Mount Rushmore. Why not? You know, uh, because it's federal landmark. You're not supposed to do stuff like that. You shouldn't have chiseled it in the mountain anyway, but that's a different story. But my, somebody pointed out to me that the reason they're able to get away with it is because it's not technically attached. It's kind of like those gambling boats that can't sail over <laughs> in, in, uh, Indiana, you know, Oh, it's a boat. Yeah. Well, let's take it on the sea and see how it does. Well, it doesn't float. Okay. Well, this is not attached, but it is. So there's like a little gap. So I don't know how they're going to get away with this for some air bridge or I don't know what they're going to do, but they figured it out. They found the loophole. Well, they're always doing that. They do that with the, the sports book. That's why they get to attach a sports book to a lamb, uh, a landmark. And it's also like why you're thinking these things about like Christopher Morell and his playing time, because I can see them doing that. Well, the Christopher Morrell thing to get back to where I was before I jumped off on Conspiracy Island for a second. Um, the, he has <laughs> thrived. Island. He has thrived in the major leagues, right? Like he has played better in the major leagues than he played in Double A, which is weird and not, and not supposed to happen. He 
clearly got to the show, saw the game, saw the pressure, and it pushed him to to achieve at a higher level. It made him a better player. That is not true for everybody. For some guys, it's it's a mental block. They can't get over it. The pitching's too hard. Whatever. Like it doesn't it doesn't click that way for everybody. And and I honestly feel like this season we have seen very much like the tales of different rookies and how they like how they adapt to this thing, right? Like Morel comes up, thrives, absolutely does better than he's ever done at any place in baseball in the major leagues because hashtag baseball. Seiya Suzuki comes up, rakes, gets adjusted to, adjusts back, gets injured, adjust, you know, every now and again looks like he's going to go off, can't quite pull it together. Zach McKinstry comes up and the 900 OPS vanishes. And it's a 450 OPS and a lot of errors. And I just, God, it is frustrating to watch Zach McKinstry play every single day higher in the lineup than Christopher Morrell, like hitting seventh, hitting eight, you know, and it's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. And he's never getting pulled for anybody. He's just in the game the whole time, no matter what he does. He struck out three times from the leadoff spot yesterday and the Cubs barely won or not, uh, not yesterday, uh, day before the last of the nationals. I mean, I'll even like, I'll, I'll I'll, like lay off McKinstry for a bit because it's probably hard enough and he doesn't need, I'm sure he listens to cup of cubby blue and he's, he's very frustrated (laughs) that we're frustrated right now. Let me check out some of these Cubs podcasts now that I'm over here. (laughs) Oh, this one looks interesting. (laughs) Um, Whoops. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, Raphael Ortega is coming in to pinch hit for Christopher Morrell, like all the time and getting starts after just embarrassing base running errors. Like the Cubs managed to win the game where Rafael Ortega like overran second and got caught in no man's land. And it was like, the extra inning game. That was the which, extra inning game that should have been over an inning earlier if Rafael yeah. Ortega had run the bases like a regular human being. And I am just, look, our, our friend Jeff is like keeping track of all the two plans. I think they're up to 75 or 77 or something absurd. Rafael Ortega leads his crew by a lot. Like, and he's just in the lineup leading off the next day like it's like the it's like oh well no there's absolutely no accountability for bad baseball playing (laughs) in this regime no there isn't and it and yeah that was that was frustrating and and what a weird play that I mean that was McKinstry too I mean that's it the two there was another two plan in that inning that maybe you don't call it two plan it was definitely a weird play don't but, run into the fielder like yeah he, he smacked into the McKinstry and that was that same inning so he's running down the down in the pike down to second base and uh just wh- whoever was playing second for him just got creamed I forget who it was who their second base I think it was Cesar was. Hernandez yeah oh man boy but yeah he got yeah. kind of hammered he got hammered. But Every you're, goes like, flying. you learn that you can't do that in Little League. Like, I don't understand. It's called look where you're going. Like, it's the most regular thing that you would think would happen. Now, I thought I was entertained by Rick Sutcliffe's take on all this, which is like, back in my day, I love Sut. Like, honestly, I would, next year, it's supposed to be a standalone situation where I could just subscribe to marquee itself and just watch that on my iPad. If that is indeed the case, and I will only do it if Rick Sutcliffe is regularly one of the announcers, because I really enjoy listening to him. He loves 
the game. He is engaged with every single thing. And his take on this whole thing about when he played, and I could so see him doing it, like in his like shiny satin pitcher's running jacket that he'd have, like trying to break up a double play. I could see him going in there, spikes flying, just running over Cesar Hernandez. And Cesar, he'd be out of the game. He would get his bell rung and all this stuff by Sutcliffe, who didn't care. And he was reminiscing about those days, and I was definitely here for it. But I'm looking at McKintree being like, oh, welcome to the team. You you don't know how to run the bases either. And then two seconds later, you got Ortega, like, running into the third out. The only way you get that – and because of that, Hap didn't score because of McKintree on that play. Took Wilson to get the sack fly. So you get an out on that play, which you probably didn't need. I mean – Hernandez was going to come home with that ball, I imagine, to try to get Hap. Oh, 100%. That that inning was a comedy of errors, and it's honestly kind of a miracle that the Cubs won the Nationals series because they they definitely tried to give the Nationals the game that game on multiple occasions. And like, I I think this is just a case where the Nationals are not a very good baseball team. Like, they are a really bad baseball team, and the Cubs were able to do all of their like shenanigans and and it didn't cost them wins because the Nationals are very bad. Let's talk about this Baltimore game uh, super quick before the break. Uh, one-off makeup game in Baltimore. Can I just say that Wilson Contreras is a beast? That opposite field shot was 105 miles per hour off the bat. The moonshot he hit to left, like your, your longer wall or whatever cannot contain Wilson Contreras. 110 miles per hour to the other way. The dude is apparently playing with an ankle that looks awful. Like he, that his ankle was very badly hurt in the field of dreams game. And, and the the reason we know this is because Sat noticed that he was like kind of ginger on it, running on a home run trot and went and asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, that ankle looks bad, man. Wilson Contreras is out there every day, catching, hitting bombs. He's so hot. The fire alarm is going off in the press box after Wilson bombs. I just, <laughs> I love him so much. And I hate that this front office doesn't love him as much as I do. Yeah. I I, I don't know. There should be, you, you know how in ancient Rome, they had like the tribune of the plebs, you know, they, when it was like a, supposedly like a common person that like got to like be amongst all the senators and tell them what they think about what the people think. Cubs need one of those, I think. And I think it should be you, Sarah, personally, that you be the 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 tribune of the plebs and you're allowed a seat at the table with Jed. And uh, you just tell him, like, hey, we need to resign uh, Wilson. He's the fire of the team. He uh, I mean, he hits the two bombs in this game. It, he's and he, he hits the ball harder than anybody on the entire team. Not only that, but you're getting that kind of offense from a catcher position. Like, I don't know. I mean, you're going to get the robot ump. So any framing, you know, problems you have with that situation, like that's going to go out the window in a couple of years, if not sooner. So I'm just, I'm with you, Sarah. Like, I don't, I don't see what's going on. And I, and I would totally part- love to be the, the, the voice of the people holding the front office accountable to be clear. Like that would be my, that would be my the joy oh my of my God. life <laughs> i want you and crawley in there i you know there's a few people that i would like to that i really think can speak for the fan that have good baseball minds as well so you wouldn't just be like a homer you'd be a homer with a brain and like that i mean that's what we need you know that's because it's kind of listen everything that a lot of 
my friends have been saying about the Cubs for the last five years have been correct. Like they're falling into too in love with the guys. They should trade somebody and switch up the team. Like back in 2017, my friends were saying stuff like that. Oh, 2021 comes along. We fell too in love with our guys and we should have traded them earlier. Oh, really? Maybe you should listen to our freaking podcast and when who said it four years ago. So I'm just saying. <laughs> so I, I, you, we're not wrong. I, You're I'm not s- wrong here. I routinely hang out on Wilson Contreras' StatCast page just because it's just such a thing of beauty. And I, and I want to share a couple of notes before the break, and then we'll get to a break. We'll talk about this Brewers series on the flip side. But his hard hit percent this season is 48%. Like, almost half the time he's hitting the baseball hard. But more impressively, he has done that. Uh, it's not a career high, incidentally. Last year was his career high at 48.4%, but it's real close to a career high. But last year, he did that striking out 28.6% of the time. This year, Wilson's doing that striking out 21.5% of the time. Do you know how hard it is to knock 7% off your strikeout rate when you're 30 years old? Like, that is impressive. And I just, the thing about Wilson that, like, I know what numbers they're looking at, which is why they're like, I don't know, catchers are where they're th- oh, in their 30s are bad bets. Like, these are these are not the types of contracts that you should get saddled with, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I read those articles, too. I know exactly what you're worried about. Wilson Contreras has only ever exceeded expectations literally everywhere. That's all he does. All he does is do better than you thought he was going to do. That's what he did when he came up. That's what he did in the minors. That's what he's done for his entire career. That's what he's doing this year right now, right in front of our very eyes. Extend the man. You will not regret it. He will. He's out there playing on a busted up ankle a la, like that is old school baseball. That is like some yacht. God, I can't believe I'm about to say a nice thing about Yachty. That is like some Yachty legend stuff. And the Cubs have this dude in-house. Robo-umps are coming. The framing is about to be a nothing burger. Just keep him in your system and let him be that guy for you for his entire career. You will not regret it. Well, and don't look now, but his career high in home runs was in 2019 with 24. He's got 19 right now. That, like, was, the, that was the rabbit ball. That was the ball that was like all messed up yeah. where all the records were. Yeah. Anyway, so imagine. This is not. Yeah, and he's and and uh, well, he had a that was his best year uh, on the team, eight eighty eight OPS overall, you know. But yeah, with the rabbit ball, but he's he's sitting, he's at eight thirty now, which I don't think he's going to get to eight eighty eight at this point. But I mean, you know, but see, here's the thing: this guy can go, he could go on a tear, like he's capable of hitting five home runs in a week. He and being like the player of the week and to just go on just to go nuts. Like, I don't really see that. I mean, look, Nico Horner, like, do I love Nico Horner? Do I think he's having a great season? Has he arrived? Is he finally healthy? Like, this is awesome. Like, he's a first round pick. I, I do that. I think they should extend Nico. Yes, absolutely. I think now that's the exact kind of young player that you should get in there. But he's never going to go on a tear where he hits six home runs in a week. Nico Horner is incapable of that. He's not even trying to do that. Wilson is, and Wilson can. And, like, 
I don't know. They got They got to. They got to get them back. I don't know what I'm they're going to do otherwise. We should. We should. Like, we should just bring. We should bring signs, and we should just like sit through every homestand. Like, why haven't you extended Wilson Contreras yet? This. This is my. This is my reason for living for the rest of this year. Uh, speaking of reasons for living, uh, we have sponsors who pay the bills over here, and and their reasons for us talking are so that they can run some ads for a second. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, and you can hear those ads. And on the flip side, we're going to talk about this Brewer series. We're going to talk about Bernie slide and the damage that it did to a Dodgers reporter, which is super <laughs> wild. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to preview some games, day baseball all weekend at Wrigley field, but first a quick break. All right, we're back. Um, so the Cubs are home again. They are playing day baseball all weekend with the air and water show going on in the background at Wrigley Field. It's going to be mm. a while. Danny, did you see, I think you did, because I think you retweeted it too, uh, this tweet yesterday about the air and water show that was so Chicago. It was like, nobody in Chicago actually knows what weekend the air and water show is. We all find out collectively in the middle of the week when we hear the planes going overhead. Yeah. And I felt seen, because this is literally me. I'm like, I don't know. And I... Yeah. Honest to God, 100% true. The, one of the people I grew up with, like on the street I grew up on, um, used to be the squadron leader for the F-16 Viper demo team. So the last time that the full air and water show happened, not last year, but the year before, I guess, or the 2019, whatever year before it got canceled by the pandemics and stuff. Uh, Garrett was like flying the F-16 Viper, like leading the squad in the air and water show. And I had no idea what weekend that thing was like, literally like childhood friend in Chicago doing this real cool thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll just show up when like the, when I hear the planes <laughs> like go to the beach and watch you fly. Yeah, it's uh, no, I, I, I hate it. It's really, really loud. I mean, I know people like it. And so I don't want to like totally crap on everybody's stuff, but I live right next to the lake. Sarah, you live right next to the lake. It shakes my windows, the dogs in my building. I mean, you think the fireworks are bad? They're like, Meh! I mean, they're like hiding under beds. So like, what is happening? And I feel bad for anybody with PTSD who's ever had a warplane actually bomb your country. Well, guess what? It sounds the same because that's what it is. And, you know, I, I don't know how much gas they're wasting up in the sky and how much pollution is now like falling into our lake. Like people aren't thinking of these things and people are like, oh, you're a killjoy. I like to watch planes fly. I'm like, watch it on TV. I don't need it here. And everybody was looking up at the sky. I was took a nice uh, what was supposed to be a nice bike ride down the bike path yesterday. I mean. I can't even hear people next to me being like on your left. You know, I can't hear anything because it is deafeningly loud. You don't understand how loud it is. It's literally a sonic boom. These things can go faster than the speed of sound. Uh, Aaron water show. Can't we just have like water skiers all like standing up on each other in a pyramid, like a Tommy Bartlett's sea and sky show in Wisconsin Dells. Like what happened to good old fashioned fun? How about the uh, ski jump they used to have at Wrigley? That was fun. I agree with you that the the sound is a lot. Um, I, I don't have PTSD about any of that, but I, I can't even imagine if I did how difficult this it's a week, man. Like it it starts on like Wednesday or Thursday of the week of the week before, and the planes are just going. I'm honestly surprised we haven't heard them yet. I think they're gonna start any minute now. 
yesterday I was I was in a meeting and, and the Blue Angels kept buzzing my building and yeah. like, oh look, there's the Blue Angels again. And and like it look, it's I it's, it's cool. cool. It's yeah. cool. Like it's honestly impressive. I I look I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, these the the talent that these pilots have to be able to do this with these multi-million dollar machines and it's supersonic speeds. It's computers, but it's also, I mean, there's some skill there. They're flying real close together. Like I think about driving yeah. on the I drive in on like the 90, and it's like I cars can't coordinate this well. And these guys are up there in F-16s. It's out of control. That's but, what I'm saying. Use the money to make the cars do it. Like that would be awesome. That you're flying down <laughs> 90, everybody's going 80 miles per hour just because they have the same technology in the cars, but instead they're like, ah, oh, let's just look at planes fly around in the over the lake. No, I want some cars that can like run on magnets or something. I don't know. Well, like, you know, seemed- the planes are going to be visible and all over the place all, this weekend oh. with the Cubs games. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of, the Brewers are coming to town. They're bringing most of their best pitchers, although the Cubs will not see Corbin Burns. Uh, Corbin Burns pitched yesterday against the Dodgers, so we we are spared um, a Corbin Burns start. However, they will be seeing uh, Aaron Ashby versus Keegan Thompson, um, Freddie Peralta, who is back from the IL after that shoulder issue against Marcus Stroman, and Brandon Woodruff will take on Justin Steele on Sunday. Danny, what do you see in these pitcher matchups with the Brewers? Well, yeah, we do kind of dodge sort of a bullet. I mean, Woodruff at the end is going to be rough. Um, But the Cubs did manage to get to Woodruff, uh, but it was really early in the season. They just ambushed him, and they got seven runs, and he walked a bunch of guys. It was kind of rainy and cold. It was way back in April, back when we had hope. Um, But, uh, yeah, Keegan, you're kind of hoping he bounces back because that start against the Reds, he fell apart in the second inning there after he gave up that home run to Aquino. He was out of there. So you're hoping he bounces back from that and that he's just not gassed because I know this is the most he's pitched. He goes out there today. Um, The Brewers couldn't get anything off of him when when he faced him before. They're only three for 19 against him. Um, Ashby, for their number five starter, I mean, he'd be like two, three on our team, probably. He carved us up last time he saw us. 12 strikeouts and six innings pitched. But guess who got a home run, Sarah? Wilson? Yep. (laughs) I mean, that's that's all he does. I'm like, if you ask me a home run question, I'm just going to answer Wilson for the rest of the time. And Freddie Peralta, uh, we've we've haven't done great against him. He's quite a good pitcher. This is kind of more the marquee matchup, or at least from the vets, Peralta and Stroman on Saturday. Uh, I know you're going to that game. I'm going today, so I, I get to see the the number five versus our number five on every other team. Uh, no, Keegan's done well. I hope he bounces back. But um, yeah, that that should be the mark marquee matchup uh, on Saturday. And then uh, Justin Steele. I mean, he did pretty well against DC um, last time out. He's, he's really kind of hit a new gear. Whereas like where it seems like Keegan might be running out of gas. Like Justin was kind of wonky figuring some stuff out, young pitcher. And then, you know, now I I feel positive about his direction. So I hope he can build on that six innings pitch last time versus DC. And um, I don't know. It's always fun to, We've done well against the Brewers this year. Uh, we beat them on the a few times, and so we're—I don't know if we're built to beat them or they're playing down to us, or 
the Brewers aren't that good of a team and they should have no business even winning any kind of central. Neither the Cardinals and the Cubs should be there. And so we're languish in third place. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's going to be interesting to see what happens, particularly on Saturday, where there's some thunderclouds in the in the forecast to see if that game gets off. I should be a real nice day for baseball should be a really great um should be a really great series against the brewers i i was i I asked on twitter last night i just kind of put an open call out to brewers fans to see how they're feeling now that their closer got traded and turned into some some pieces for the future and and whatnot which that's a move that you make if you're a milwaukee type club frequently like they're not going to go spend 300 million dollars on free agents so they need to figure out some other ways to keep the farm system healthy etc honestly sort of looks like they timed it pretty perfectly josh Hader appears to be broken in some ways and i i don't know if they know how to fix it and so they just decided to sell high and get what they could back um it's probably a smart move for five years down the road i wonder though if it's a morale crusher for a Brewers team that thought they were in first place when they made that trade. They were like two games up on the Cardinals. Things were looking pretty good. And you trade your closer. And I just feel like there's some intangibles there, right? Like there's some qualitative stuff going on for the club where it's like, oh man, we just lost our closer. Like I, and I, and the Brewers have not been great since that trade. I mean, they have ceded the division to the Cardinals since then. Um, they're fighting for their lives here. I would love nothing more than the Cubs to sweep this series and like put the fear of God into the yeah, Brewers. <laughs> it, well, that's true. But at the same time, then you're just handing the division to the Cardinals. They lost two or three to the Cardinals and then they split with the Dodgers, which isn't too bad. And I do wonder this, uh, because if you look at, if you look at the stats and how that's, they've piled them together this year so far in Milwaukee, they're pretty average. Like they have an average offense. They have an average bullpen. They have an, I mean, and they don't have an average bullpen. They have very above average arms in their bullpen, but overall it's resulted in it, the results have been average. So um, is it enough to beat your Padres? Is it enough to beat your Dodgers? Maybe not. So they're looking at it and be like, okay, we need to set up so that we actually have a team that can compete next year, the year after that. So let's take what we have now. If the Padres are willing to give us this haul for uh, our closer, who has still got another year on his contract too. too. So he's going to be on the Padres next year, barring any uh, kind of trade. So, and they, the one of the would have been at one point, more of a marquee name is Denelson Lamette. They, they got rid of him. And then he went over to the freaking Colorado Rockies. I know so, it's, uh, the the Nelson Lamette DFA part of that is mind boggling to me. I thought it was a pretty solid trade until that happened, and I was like, "Wait, you just traded for this guy?" <laughs> yeah, he and since then he's played in four games uh, as a reliever, and he, he actually has been their closer, I guess. Uh, no, not their closer. He got no saves, but um, but yeah, five innings pitched, Denelson Lamette. Um, and he's got a 180 ERA in those. It's only five innings, but still, he's only given up one run in five innings. That's that's good. So, so I guess I guess they couldn't use him in in their pen, like the Rockies could. I I don't understand it. Yeah, a I lot of head scratching moves. I don't understand it either. It's it's quite mystifying over there. And and frankly, I I'm curious to see how the Brewers handle this series at Wrigley. Like one. 
Brewers fans care a lot more about beating the Cubs than I think Cubs fans care about beating the Brewers, especially right now. I think Brewers, the Brewers are playing tight at the moment is what I've noticed when I've been watching them. It's not so much, they're, they're still a good team. They're still a solid team, but it's like, they just yeah. feel like they're, they're playing with an edge that is not getting, they're playing like Zach McKinstry, man. Like they're playing with an edge that is making them throw the ball away. Right. And I just, yeah. it would be really, the Cubs could make this really interesting by doing some damage against the Brewers. Let's talk about some Cubs hitters who have been hot uh lately this goes back to the middle of july so i kind of went back to like july 18th um these are the highest wrc pluses on the cubs as a reminder anybody over 110 gets a mention here fran mil reyes man the newest cub uh the guy the cubs claimed off waivers and like i was kind of bummed they didn't claim to nelson lament and then i saw they got fran mil reyes and i was like okay that's fine <laughs> WRC plus of 200 since July 18th. Jan Gomes is at 189. Nelson Velasquez is at 162. PJ Higgins is at 140. Wilson Contreras is at 136. Ian Happ is at 124. Nico Horner is at 122. That is quite the crowd. And since I've been giving him so much grief, uh, Nick Madrigal is on the plus side here. He's at 109, just missing the cutoff for a Cubs hot hitter. Danny, what do you see from these bats? Yeah, I mean, it seems to be feast and famine with these guys. It's... The the hitting we're sitting right level wise and we don't hit as many home runs as the Brewers do, but we're sitting level wise uh, as far as OPS and a lot of your more standard stats uh, as uh, right where the Brewers are. So, I mean, we don't have a bat offense. The issue has been the base running. I think you would have scored a lot more runs in a couple of ways if you didn't run into outs all over the place because we are number one in caught stealing. Uh, I don't know if we're number one, but we're close. Pretty close. And then, and, and then uh, all the two plans. I mean, and so like you look at it and we've only scored like 30 fewer runs than the Brewers or something like that. But yet it doesn't matter because we're so many fo- games uh, in the, in the, uh, in arrears from them. So it's, it's, it's frustrating to have hitters that can actually hit um, and then not like, I mean, maybe Fran Framil will be that man who can like be in the middle of the lineup as a big scary dude to you know just drive people in because then you can't run into outside the base pads. You're just trotting slowly home and then giving uh, high tens to Framil as he uh, crosses the plate after his giant double decker home run. You know. The that Cubs, might be the answer. More the homers. The are third in the league uh, in caught stealings with 27. Um, they have stolen 77 bases, which puts them resort. They're up there. Fifth, fifth, in, fifth in the league. But the it, the real problem here is the ratio of the number of caught stealings to the steals, right? Well, like that is the that is the dilemma. Yeah, that's the dilemma. Plus, and then you add the two plans to it. So it's just a lot of outs you're making. And I don't know how many times this year I've said, damn it, that run would have scored if that didn't happen. Oh, totally. 100%. Just Um, even anecdotally, it feels like that happened a lot more this year. Let's do some Brewers high hitters and then and then we'll let you go celebrate your weekend. Uh, Hopefully the sun will stay out long enough for some baseball to happen and for the air and water show. Um, Brewers hot hitters, WRC plus is over 110 since July 18th. Rowdy Telez is at 156. Hunter Renfro is at 147. Keston Hira is at 140. Colton Wong is at 126. Andrew McCutcheon is at 126. Christian Yelich 
has not been on this list for a solid three years. And here he is sitting at a 110 WRC plus. Congratulations, Christian Yelich. You got a little bit of your stroke back. Yeah, he had his first home run in like a month and a half the other day, I I heard. And yeah, I don't know what happened there. I, it must be injuries. He he really fell off a cliff. So old, I would agree old, with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Nosferatu just needs to drink some children's blood or something. Was what we yell at him from the bleachers. Well, that's a that's a real hard segue to to go off there. Um, And yeah, I was like, oh, we can't end there, can we? Not not really sure how to riff off of drinking children's blood in the bleachers, Danny. That's what we say from the bleachers. That's just bleacher talk. So it's not for podcast consumption. So hopefully you you fast forwarded. Uh, if you, if you fast forwarded and you're looking to find me and Danny, where we're, while we're watching these Brewers games this weekend, Danny, where can people find you and your baseball takes? Well, I'll be in the stands if you want to come down. I'm section 100 something today. Cause, uh, unfortunately for the person that got COVID, uh, that can't go to the game today, I ended up with a box seat today because of that. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be there and, um, at Sunranto on Twitter and wherever you find your people awesome just- I, I will be at the game theoretically on saturday assuming that the game happens uh, it, it's not looking good from the old weather forecast right now but who knows it's like those weird thunderstorms that it could be like one storm or it could be like 10 or it could be like it, yeah. it's one of those like the chances of out, thunderstorms but- are 49 to 51 percent for half the day so maybe maybe that'll clear up at yeah. some point and we'll get to see some baseball on Saturday, you can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find anything from the podcast at at Cup of Cubby Blue. If you have not seen the absolutely ridiculous footage of a Dodgers sideline reporter going down Bernie's slide and crashing into the wall, like he starts yelling, holy crap, as he like comes <laughs> down the slide. And then he crashes into the wall and he gets actually really hurt, like fractures a wrist and fractures a bunch of ribs. And I mean, I was, I was pretty worried about him. Came back, did his job because that man is tough like Wilson Contreras and then got mocked by Bernie the Brewer with a, with a get well soon card that said, it's really not that hard. And like, <laughs> God, Brewer, Brewers fans are rough, man. Well, maybe we could, maybe the Cubs will be rough on them this weekend. If they are, you'll hear about it here first at Cup, Cubby Blue until next time. Bye.